Good morning. It's a wee Mella, and today is Thursday, and here in Crystal Lake, it's kind of gray. Um, not very sunny and bright, but I think the rain we've had lately has must have helped our drought situation quite a bit. So that's probably a good thing, so trying not to mind the gray weather. Well, today we are almost through in our book, Heartwood of the Bodhi Tree, the Buddha's Teaching on Voidness. And this is by Buddha Dasa Bhikkhu. And you can find his, his writing all in PDFs, even his books, on, uh, on internet. So... We have finished, we just finished talking about um, how, to, how to meet the moment of death, practicing at the moment of contact, and practicing even at the moment of death. So that was in chapter 13. Now we're starting on chapter 14, which is, I think, it's very short chapter, and it's the very last one in this book. So, if you have any ideas for things you'd like to talk, oh, I'm so sorry, uh, talk about, or if there's something that I could read that would be valuable to people, um, let me know, because we're just about ready to finish this book, and we might, we might, there might be people who'd rather talk about a different topic than voidness. <laughs> or what we we often talk of, uh, sunyata is what he calls it, and we often talk about anatta uh, being, being one of the three things that we all have to face and that are the marks of existence, uh, suffering, dukkha, anatta, uh, imper uh, no self, and, uh, no, and the last is... Uh, just the changing nature of everything, just impermanence in general, which we all face all of our lives, every minute. Everything's always changing. And uh, we need to learn how to work with it so we're not always surprised by it. So, short chapter. We might finish this just uh, and have more time to meditate today together. We do want to be doing that more often, I think, or a little bit longer. Sometimes I read too long and we don't have as much time to sit. This is Chapter 14, Deliverance. <laughs> you must now go and observe yourself until you can grasp, grasp that, in fact, you yourself are frequently void there are many times when you are unconfused and there is a great deal of mindfulness and wisdom. <clears throat> Disturbance, the feeling of I and mine, comes every now and again. Its periodic and temporary arising is called birth. Whenever there is birth, there is dukkha or suffering. But there are also many moments when there is no birth and so no dukkha at all. However, people who st stupidly skip over such moments overlook the spontaneous nibbana, or that 
awakening, and so we're unaware of its presence. So he's telling us that we're off, we can off, we're just not noticing it when we're in this state. Watch yourself. Even if it is only a very small nibbana, merely a taste, it's exactly the same thing as true and lasting nibbana. And nibbana, of course, is that enlightened moment or that, that awakening to, to the, to everything, awakening. It differs only in duration. It doesn't last because we don't know how to protect ourselves from and destroy the spiritual disease. Consequently, every now and again, the disease penetrates and interrupts Nibbana. If one has been blessed with the intelligence to know that the mind is fundamentally void, that it's already Nibbana, then one only need to be careful not to let it be infiltrated by new things. So don't let them in. Drive them out. If we don't let the germs of defilement into our house, we can be void all the time. The way of driving out disease is to practice Dhamma according to the Buddha's teaching. This causes the arising of energy and inspiration, firm confidence, in Dhamma, and these are true, the truths in the of wisdom truths in the world. Sincere effort in Dhamma, which is the that kind of uh, energy. Attention to Jama, to Dhamma, that's with our mind and our heart, and unceasing alertness. With these four roads to success, one will succeed without difficulty. If we start off foolishly, it's extremely difficult, harder than rolling a heavy mortar up a mountain. But if we approach practice in the right way, it's easier than rolling a mortar down a mountain. The mind must also have unceasing self-awareness. Don't be forgetful and don't be heedless. Keep observing the voidness and busyness that arise daily. Let the mind love and be satisfied with sunyata, the ever-present nibbana. So sunyata is voidness, and when we can experience that, we are experiencing uh, enlightenment or nibbana. Don't let it incline into wrong understanding and get lost in busy things. Right now, the greatest problem is that nobody wants to end dukkha. People don't dare affirm that we are born in order to be free from dukkha. Dukkha is the suffering. It has become as if we are born for anything at all, just so long as it's to our liking and good fun. We just blindly follow whatever's going. Actually, the ending of dukkha is not difficult. It's not beyond our capabilities, any more than any other job or work. But we don't understand. We turn our backs on freedom, and so we suffer. The best of health. The ending of spiritual disease lies in knowing how to prevent the arising of I and mine, freedom from disease, is called the greatest gain.
the medicine sellers of the Buddhist time, used to say, health is the greatest gain. They called out this phrase as they traveled along the highways. Freedom from disease is the greatest gain. Good health, great wealth. But they weren't referring merely to freedom from physical ailments such as toothaches. The spiritual disease that the Buddha referred to is the disease that causes the greatest suffering. It is the real disease. The cure of that deed must be correspondingly effective. These days, our usual escape from the disease is accidental. We escape without being aware of it. Simply when the Dhamma is causing our suffering, and this time Dhamma is meant, meant as uh, anything, any kind of phenomena. Simply when the Dhamma causing our suffering are replaced by Dhammas that don't cause suffering. This is called coincidental deliverance. Tadanga Vimuti. Coincidences come in various forms, including times when one disease replaces another. Nonetheless, don't ever forget that we escape from disease all the time in this ordinary, coincidental way, even while unaware of it. On the occasions when we resolve to oversee the mind, it can be even more void and more free from spiritual disease than it is with accidental deliverance. At these times, because we keep the mind under control, there is deliverance by suppression. If we can deal with the disease absolutely and take out its root completely by removing the germ, this is called deliverance by cutting off. This means we kill all the germs dead. It's not just a fluke or a temporary suppression. Usually we experience at least the results of accidental deliverance and that is already a tremendous gain. If our peace of mind surpasses that, it is deliverance by suppression, which is vimuti, or even deliverance by cutting off, which is the highest level. If that point is reached, we no longer dwell in greed, hatred, delusion, those are the three poisons, and the various desires. Instead, we live with security, full of satipanya, which is that mindfulness, and free of suffering and agitation. Life is then like the freshness of innocent youth. There is full recovery from the spiritual disease. We have completed all that needs to be studied, done, and experienced from our practice. Life is totally free of dukkha, both at the time of seeking and at the time of consuming. When we perform our daily task of seeing, of seeking, including both our study and our jobs, there is no dukkha, no stress, no suffering, no problems. We can, no problems that need create suffering for us. When we receive the fruits, such as money, material wealth, status, prestige, and fame to enjoy, we have no dukkha. There is no dukkha in either kind of situations. We become truly exalted beings. 
It's like catching a fish without getting caught by its sharp spines and then eating it without getting the bones stuck in the throat. Catching the fish, there is no dukkha, and eating it, there is no dukkha. In conclusion, I would like to say again that this one subject of voidness covers all Buddhism. For the Buddha breathed with sunyata. Voidness is the theory, the practice, and the fruit of the practice. If one studies, one must study sunyata. If one practices, it must be for the fruit of sunyata. And if one receives any fruit, it must be this sunyata, so that finally one attains the thing that is supremely desirable. There is nothing beyond voidness. When it is realized, all problems end. Whether or not you understand and whether or not you practice must be your own responsibility. It is my duty only to explain the way things are. The knowing, the understanding, and the practice is the duty of each person. If you think that the effort we have talked about is a good and true endeavor, then take it up. Renounce that which is cheap and poor in order to acquire that which is more valuable, most excellent. Keep up the work. Don't let it fail. Make it develop and progress so as to benefit both yourself and all of humanity. Then you can feel, excuse me, then you can feel sure that in this life you have done the best thing a human being can do and have received the best thing a human being can receive. There is nothing beyond this. That's all there is. Uh, Let me read this about the Bodhi tree. This book is called Heartwood of the Bodhi Tree. Bodhi tree is the nickname of the species of tree under which each Buddha awakens to sunyata. Each Buddha has his particular Buddha tree. The present Buddha, Gotama, realized perfect awakening under a member of the ficus tree, which, due to its association with Buddhism, has been given the scientific name Ficus religiosa. In India, it is now known as the Pipal tree, P-I-P-A-L. In Thailand, this tree and its close relatives are all known as Po trees. Ajahn Buddhadasa pointed out that all members of the Ficus tree lack heartwood, or the hard inner pith found in most trees. The heartwood of the Bodhi tree is truly void. Oh, that's the true meaning. I've been confused about that. I thought the heartwood meant that's the solid part of the tree. But he's saying, all members of the ficus tree lack heartwood, or the hard inner pith found in most trees. The heartwood of the Bodhi tree is truly void. So voidness is the true center, the true core. 
So that's the heartwood of the Bodhi tree. And he leaves, he leaves us saying, yeah, we, we can have that. We can have it. It's already here. But it's up to us to do the practice and the study and the, uh, the way we, and, and the awareness, the mindfulness that we practice. So why don't we sit now? Uh, I hope you enjoyed that book. I hope it gave you um, more more information to kind of chew on and and uh, sort through, make up your own mind, because it's uh, it's different from the typical things we hear a lot in Buddhism, the teachings. Let your body be comfortable. Let your back be lifted up, your spine. I think becoming accustomed to silent meditation is important. Because I think these are times when we can actually experience the sunyata. We can experience that voidness when we have relaxed into our practice and we're able to let go of that worrying mind. <clears throat> the more we can just drop something when we find it rising to the surface. Letting aversion or anger, once we see how it arises within us and understand it, learning to just drop it, let it go more and more. Letting sensual desire uh, not become not become a craving and then a clinging. <laughs> that image of catching a fish without those sharp uh, sharp spines that might be connected to its fins or without anything sharp hurting you and then eating a delicious fish without the bones choking you. That's a strong image. So it's not that we can't have a delicious meal, but we don't want any hidden bones in that to 
stick in our throat. Those are those bones of craving and clinging. <laughs> now just stay with your breath. Observe your breath either through the belly rising and falling, you can observe that very easily. Or even put your hands on your tummy, you can feel it. Or observe your breath around your nostrils. And then just be aware of what happens when you pick up sound When you notice this feeling of contact between your, your body, your skin, and something else, your feet on the floor, your bottom on a seat or a cushion, the temperature of the air, be aware of any odors, any taste. Be aware of the thoughts that rise up. Just see if you can take it all in without aversion or desire. Or without ignorance, without delusion. Take it in just as it is. Take it in and then just let it go. Don't hang on to it. To see how everything arises and falls away.
Let go. Just let go of everything. Let be. No need to do anything. Just be with the rise and the fall of each breath. You might be listening to my stomach gurgling and just let that, just notice the rise and the fall of that sound. Just relax into your breath. That's all there is. Try to come back to this feeling whenever you can take a break and just sit with yourself. Let it all just dissolve. And it's basically letting all the I, me, mine, all the things connected with that, just let it dissolve and see the peace that just arises. Now, as we end our time together, may all of you be well and happy and peaceful. May you not be, uh, may you take in the news and the difficulties in the world with eyes and a heart of wisdom. And we do what we can, and we may have to be witnesses to some things that we we cannot change. But do what you can, and always be taking care of others, uh, reaching out to others when you can. May everything that we do and say and think be done not only for our own benefit, but always for the benefit of all other sentient beings everywhere. And may all of you be well, be at peace, 
and live contentedly. Thank you. Thanks for being part of my practice. And I'll see you tomorrow.